You want to make sure you're bringing the right person in. Guys who are unselfish, team first, have the right work ethic mentality that you're looking for. And he checked all those boxes. It's a big thing to be when you can show grace in some hard, like hard and dark times. I knew in my heart of hearts I was gonna get, I was gonna get this thing fixed, especially with the guys that we got on this team and this building. Finally, KJ, mm. defensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks, oh, no, no. the hurt, no, the <laughs> defensive coordinator, Clint Hurt. Clint, man, why, what, what took up, you man? so long? What took you long so long to come on here with us, oh, man? No, I should ask you guys that question. <laughs> <laughs> I told him this ain't Fox, this ain't NBC. Well, well, well first, before we get into everything, I want to start this off with. I want to start with how you doing recently, the passing of your mother. I want to get right in and to see how you doing. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm doing good and yeah, doing a lot better, I should say. The, uh, she passed October 20th. That was, uh, I got the call from my sister on the Friday going into the Arizona game. Uh, my mom had been battling cancer for a number of years and uh, tough as they come. But um, I was glad to see that she is no longer in pain and obviously sorely miss her. Uh, but I got that call going into that game and that was obviously a tough one to deal with. And I came into the year, like both of my parents are older um, and it's like one of those things where you have people in your family that say you need to prepare yourself mentally for certain things, but as a child, you don't ever want to think in that manner. And then for it to kind of hit you, like reality hit you like that um, unexpectedly was, that was tough. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, obviously the players and my family, my wife helped me through this a lot. Yeah, and I know the people in this building, um, the support from your, from your players, from your coaching staff, from Coach Carroll, John Snyder. I'm sure that was up to how, how were they? It was unbelievable. It really was. So, uh, like I said, I was late coming out to practice on Friday because I had just received that call. And, you know, Pete was like, listen, you got to do what you need to do, kind of clear your mind and get yourself ready to go for the game. And I appreciated his thoughts of that. And I was in my office. My wife came up to come see me. And, you know, so I kind of took my time. But at the same time, I was thinking like both of my parents raised me in a, in a mindset of you can grieve and understand that life at some point, like things are gonna move on. And as raw as it was getting that call, I could hear my mother's voice in my head, like, you got a job to do. Don't worry about me, I'm better. You mm -hmm. better make sure my grandkids are good. You better make mm -hmm. sure you take care of the task at hand because mm -hmm. that's how my parents were um, with that. So not saying that it made it easier, it definitely did not, but I understood what the responsibility was. And then coming back to it, all the guys were awesome. They were making sure that I was good. Um, I know they were really worried about it, and, and but I wanted to make sure they saw the best version of me. I was going to be locked in for them, and uh, and everything worked out. We had her her uh, her funeral service this past Friday. I flew out to Boston Thursday after walkthrough, and then got back in town Saturday morning uh, before this past game against Cleveland. And uh, everyone's just being so supportive. Yeah. All the guys were great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, Coach. So it's a new sheriff in town. There um, <laughs> we go. Leonard Williams, yeah, mm. six foot four, three hundred pounds. Mm. That long hair. Um, what you seeing out the big dog? And what was it like getting getting this new addition to the squad? Really exciting. First and foremost, you know, anytime you're dealing with any D lineman, big big Cadillac backs, uh, you get real, you get really <laughs> yeah. really excited. Being familiar with his game, you know, every year I always look at like the top D lineman around the league and familiar with even when he came out of college at USC. Uh, to have the opportunity to be able to coach a guy like this and add on to what we're already building is a really exciting mm -hmm. time. Uh, big kudos and shout out to John and Pete to get this done. Um, Pete always says we're always competing. Yeah, he ain't yeah. Lying, you yeah, know? yeah. 
So continue to add on a bill, but to add him on what we have going on, a player of his stature, his ability, mm-hmm. and he's still a young guy. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, this is a really exciting time. And so, and people always look at the player we're getting. We're getting what he does in the run game and the in the pass rush game. But talk about still a person is coming to this organization. Like a guy, he got a jail with. 52 other guys, like what is the person that the Seattle Seahawks are getting out of Leonard Williams? That's always, to me, that's maybe the most important thing. When Mm -hmm. you bring somebody into the organization, you want to make sure you're bringing the right person in. You know, guys who are unselfish, team first, uh, have the right work ethic mentality that you're looking for, and he checked all those boxes. Mm -hmm. You know, guys that he had been with before, his one of his closest friends is Chenna. You know, so obviously he had a great connection there with understanding and learn something about him. Julian has been with him, and if I'm not mistaken, I think Jamal may have been there his rookie year with him in New York with the Jets. You know, so there's a lot of connections. Ivan Lewis, our strength and conditioning coach, was with him at USC. So we had a ton of people here that we hold in high regard in the organization that had great things to say about him. So it just all aligned correctly uh, with him just fitting in. If a guy gets traded and he in my position, I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little, hey, what, what y'all doing? But explain to people like the power of having multiple guys on the defensive line. Because when yeah. I won my Super Bowl, Second string, first string, y'all rotate in and out. So explain to people why you can't have enough depth when it comes to that pass rush and when you come to defensive linemen. Yeah, the ability to keep guys fresh. That's a that's a hard job to go out there and say, okay, if some teams do that, they play a defensive lineman 85% of the snaps. I'm willing mm-hmm. to bet you in most scenarios, if a guy's playing 85% of the snaps, he's got a lot of loafs. Or he's finding ways to save himself so that way he can be fresh for the crucial downs. Mm-hmm. We want to have it here where it's like hockey. It's like line A and line yeah. B. Yeah. Rotate them in and out so that way now the offensive line can't get a break and we can keep guys fresh to keep the pressure on the offensive side, you know, when we have guys rotating in and out of the game. So now you think about pairing him next to him, sorry, yeah. uh, with Jaron Reed, with Draymond, with Mario Edwards, how well he's played. Cam Young is still coming along, you know, those guys in there. So the D tackles now, you got a four or five man rotation so we can keep guys fresh and what's going. And those guys that we have, obviously, Jaron and, and, and Dre and that whole group have been playing really well so far. So now we just add another high level player to that group. And just you anticipate and you expect for obviously those guys that even play at a higher level. This Seahawks defense has been playing. They've been balling this year. And I want to go ahead and from a fan standpoint, I want to tell you that I see 54 is back. And he's back out there. He's got the green green stick on his helmet. What is it like to have him back being out there for your defense? Special. It is absolutely special. Uh, For me, it's a comfort zone because now – it's like you make a call, and he's an extension of us as a coaching staff. Like every Monday we go through game plan, and KJ was right along. They will come mm-hmm. up here on Mondays, and you <laughs> find out exactly, okay, you know, what are we looking to do? What do we have to get ready to defend? Uh, is there any special situation, things like that, that you want to go and cover? So he's an extension of me out there, and we're on the same page. And here's the thing. Because of who he is as a man, how he prepares, uh, he's not just a talented guy that just goes out there and he makes plays because of incredible physical talent. Like he puts the time in to study the game, master his craft, so it's important for me to also pick his brain to see, okay, the things he's comfortable with, to put him in, help him put in positions that he wants to be in to help him make plays too. Mm-hmm. So he's been invaluable to have. It's been incredible. And then you mentioned, and you mentioned Bobby being like an extension of play calling. Really explain the art of play calling to people. You're not just out there picking down plays on, on your play sheet. Really walk us into like situational football or third and one mm-hmm. or two minute drill. Like what really goes into calling plays and putting your defense in a prime position to make plays? You know, the biggest thing is obviously you're studying, you know, the opponent, what they like to do in particular down to distance situations, third down and things of that nature. And when I communicate those things with him, he knows exactly what I'm thinking in those situations and what I want to go to. 
or the reason why I want to do it. But the ones that are unique more so is like there could be situations within a game of where a team may come in and they're attacking a particular coverage that you have in the game plan. And then I get on the headset with him and I say, okay, they're trying to expose the backside of this coverage. I need to change this up. And here's why I want to change it up. And now here's what you got to be ready for when I do that. Yeah. You know, things like that. So those are the great communications that we have. And this is like, I'm always big. I want to be upfront and honest and communicate early. Never mm -hmm. hit a guy with a surprise. You know that. Don't do that to me. me. <laughs> don't surprise me, coach. So just hit him up early. Hey, Wags, I want to do this on this next series, and here's why. So walk me into last week. It's third down, third and three. Game's on the line. The Cleveland Browns, they driving. You call Jamal Adams on the blitz. What's your mindset when you're like, let me call on my guy number 33 to come make a play for my football team? In that situation, what I was in, I was really anticipating them to run the ball. You know, I was thinking in that situation, third down and three, they would hand it off. If they got it, they really put us as a team in a tough predicament. Mm -hmm. If they didn't get it and we had to burn a timeout, but now they can go and punt it and put us deep in our own territory and make us have to drive the long field against their defense. So that was my thought. So, But at the same time, is if they throw it, I want to give us a chance to be able to get some heat on the quarterback. So uh, sending Jamal on that particular call, I can keep my edge guys outside. I can obviously plug a guy who's an excellent blitzer uh, through the middle of the defense, and obviously it worked out. You know, So if they ran the ball, I was expecting to be some form of a tight zone play. If they threw it, I felt like it was going to be something that was going to be quick hitting. Mm -hmm. you know, so it, it played out right. It doesn't always work out that way, uh, but it was a heck of a play, and it turned out great for yeah. us. On Sunday, a lot of us were saying, come on, Irene, what's up with these screens? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, want, I want to know, take us into what you was thinking of in the press box, because I said, KJ, KJ, get down there and help him with the screens. Man, what was going on with them screens? Them yeah. screens, they were some good-ass screen plays. <laughs> yeah, they were some, some good, good screen stuff. plays. Well, well, take us through it, man. What was going on? What was you thinking? So here's the thing. like, so uh, Kevin Stefanski was the OC with Minnesota when we played them here in 2019. It was one of those green action games. I don't know mm -hmm. if it was a Thursday night or a Sunday night game, KJ. Thursday night. Thursday night. Yeah. That was a game, if anybody remembers correctly, KJ was a flat defender to the field and Kirk Cousins ran a boot and KJ one-handed the pick on their sideline. Sunday night. That was Sunday, was Sunday night. night. That was Sunday night. So that was the game, but Stefanski was a play caller then. And so I always go back. I like to, it's not so much about studying the actual opponent. I like to go back and study play callers. And like mm -hmm. to see like what they like in certain situations. Does it hold true? Have they changed in anything? Well, the one thing that was consistent with him was he loved screens. And he gave us a hard time that night with screens too. So we spent more time. Usually we work on screens. We have I have one put in every practice script so we get, you know, the guys get the looks at it and we're ready. We worked on screens. We had three in Wednesday's practice. We had another three in Thursday's practice. And I had two in the Friday practice because I knew that we were going to get them. And I'd be damned if we still didn't stop a damn one of them. <laughs> you know, so it was that part was was frustrating, but they were well conceived, really, really well done. We just got to continue to work on that emphasis. But he did a nice job scheming that up. You got here in 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been here for a minute now. I want to first ask, what is this organization, this Seahawks organization? What does it mean to you, man? I tell you what, this uh, when you get into a place. I usually, nobody would ever believe it because I have no problem talking to people, but I'm quiet initially because I believe you learn more from watching and observing than you do talking. So I like to learn from those who are around me and kind of get a feel for a place. And uh, through the years, what I've learned is the consistency of Pete and John, the quality of people that they've brought in this building. It is family first. You, They do want people to be themselves, but it's a very warm and welcoming place. I'm an East Coast guy, so being on the West Coast for me was foreign territory as it Nine was. Day. It really is. <laughs> So, but the people here have made this place so unique and so special. 
and even through the years, you know, people in certain departments have moved on and went to uh, other opportunities and things of that nature, but they still continue to bring in high quality people. So it makes it an environment where it may be work, uh, but it doesn't feel that way. I love coming here every day, um, how they treat you, family first, the, my wife, my kids. Again, the loss of obviously my mother, you can see um, where the caring of people comes into to play here. And this is unique. It's not like this everywhere else. I've only worked for one other NFL organization, but I got plenty of relationships with people that work in others. And it, this is a unique place. Mm -hmm. and, and coach, as players, each and every year, we want to take that step forward as a baller, as a player. Last year was your first year calling plays. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lie, like people were, they was losing their damn minds with their run game. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure you went into that offseason like, how can I get better as a play caller? How can I get better as a defensive coordinator? Where have you personally seen your own growth when it comes to make sure this defense is on point? And when we step on this football field, you go notice that we came ready to play today. You know, I'll say this. They, uh, I know there's nobody that's going to be more aware that last year was a rough <laughs> year than me. Yeah. Uh, there were some games there they're gut-wrenching. You know, when things mean a lot to you, there's nobody that should take it harder than you. I know mm -hmm. it, I, I I understand everybody's feelings of things, but that was hard on me. My biggest thing was the self-reflecting coming into year two was like, okay, where do I need to improve? Before I talk to a single player, before I talk to another guy on my staff, you know, what do I need to do to help get things fixed? I never lost confidence in myself. Mm -hmm. I knew that this was something I wanted. I knew this was something I was going to be good at, wanted to be great at, but it was like, I got to get back to my foundation. I've always taken a high value in being a teacher. And I felt like last year there was so much rushed with trying to install a new scheme, new system, and it's the intricacies. It's not so much the call that you're putting in, but it's the details and the techniques of how you play the particular coverage or how you play the front or how you fit the run game uh, that needed to be in greater detail so the players had understanding. Um, and that was, that was something that was uh, – big learning lesson for me that I want to get back to, mm -hmm. you know, just the technique and fundamentals of it all. So that was, that was day one coming back and this spring was getting back. What is the essence of playing great defense? Mm -hmm. and, and as players, we have our own adversity. We got injuries, we got contract stuff. We're not playing well and we handle it in our own way. How do you handle your own personal adversity? Like we can't stop run and save our damn lives. I'm hearing the media noise. Like, what are you doing? You self talking yourself, you reaching out to people. Like how do you overcome adversity when you see your defense not playing the way that they're supposed to be playing? I didn't, you know, I didn't really reach out to anybody in terms of how to handle adversity. I look at those things, those tough times in a different way. You know, personal life battles growing up, and I don't like to give any type of sob stories or nothing like that, but when you've been through things in life, I think you have a real kind of reflection on really what hard times are. That doesn't mean that going through football isn't hard, but uh, knowing are the lights going to be on, where are you going to eat, where are your clothes coming from, those kinds of things. That, that's, those are tough times. So I think that I always keep that kind of stuff in perspective. Um, but with the football stuff, because there's so many livelihoods that's on the line. Like when you struggle in this game, because it's the microwave society, that you gotta have instant results is what everybody's expectation is. So the whole fact of the matter is like, okay, you gotta get back to square one. You gotta be able to self critique and hold yourself accountable before you hold other people accountable and take care of that. So that's where it got back for me was the teaching. I want to get back to the fundamentals of how things are supposed to be played and how they're supposed to be done. So for me, it was mapping out how I wanted to handle the install schedule when we came back uh, in the springtime, you know, how I wanted to handle that with the players. But it started with my coaching staff because I needed, all right, the D-line struggled in run defense. It didn't struggle the previous years before that. That's not my D-line coach's fault. That's my fault because I leave them. 
So I got to make sure, okay, you need to understand exactly my expectations for how these things are supposed to be taught, how we're going to play blocks, how we handle alignments, how we handle backfield sets and, and the anticipation of plays and things of that nature. And then obviously then it gets to the second level, you know, tan shade, tan fits, you know, who's in the C gap. If we're playing bare front, all right, we're shading C alignments and how those things fit and what's fast flow spill, who's turn back, who's got cut back. And getting back to yeah. day one stuff. You know they don't know what the hell you're talking about right now, do they you? They don't, but I'm talking <laughs> to you, so I'm all over it. Wait, wait. That's, that's why I got man. And, and by the way, we've been talking a whole <laughs> lot of football. And I don't want to slow it down for a second because, you know, you mentioned earlier, you say you're quiet when you first get here. And I think I've had people ask me, man, like, hey, what's Clint Hurt like? And I'm like, man, he, man cool. Who is Clint Hurt? Um, forget the football. And don't lie, because if you lie, I'm, I'm going to say you're full of Forget the football. People mm -hmm. that's watching, who is Clint Hurt? Man, uh, one, I care about people. Yeah, I, I do. That's, that's to be a servant and be helpful to others in any way I can is important to me. I want to see the, those around me be successful. Uh, I do love busting chops and having fun to keep things light, because here's the thing about it, too. And caring about others and want to see people be uh, successful, I'm a straight shooter. And there's times that I can say things that can be, you can take it hard when I say it. Uh, KJ's been around me at practice and other guys <laughs> will say, they've heard me say things to players sometimes where they surprise the player doesn't want to, you know, fight me sometimes. <laughs> uh, but you know what though? Here's the thing. One thing that players don't want to be is lied to. Mm -hmm. So you want to know the truth. You want an honest assessment about what you're doing, where you are. I'll never address you in a disrespectful way, mm -hmm. but I'm going to say it how I say it, you know, and I'm going to also respect you as a human being, as a person when I do say that to get that point across. And then I'm going to help you work your way through it and come along. So for me, I hold that in high regard is I want to do whatever I can to help somebody be successful, whether it be in football or in life. Um, I care about the man. You know, this is my biggest thing. And the reason I'm like that is my dad, my dad and my mother. But my dad was I moved in with my dad when I was 12 years old. Uh, my dad was a military man. POW in Vietnam War. Uh, he was a, a police officer in Harlem, New York for 21 years. Uh, so um, having some order and, and direction in your life was a big deal uh, with him. And what he did for me and him becoming coming into my life when I got him, uh, it made all the difference in the world. Because I wouldn't, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be right here. I wouldn't be here right now. And coach, one thing that scares the hell out of me when it comes to coaching, I, in my heart, you know, you know where my heart is. Mm -hmm. I feel like I got a gift. Yep. I could really do this. No question. However, <laughs> one thing that scares me is the family life. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do coaches handle, I'm going to be in this building till <laughs> 11, 12 o'clock at night and my wife and kids still good? Like, how is that even possible if you're not there with the, with the physical time? You know what I mean? Yeah, I would say this. Uh, this place makes it feasible to maintain a healthy marriage. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It ain't like that everywhere. Oh, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> it does not always work out that way. My man, Charlie Strong, who I absolutely love. He's like a big brother for, uh, to me. Uh, working for Charlie was like working dog years. I mean, every one year of coaching was equivalent to seven. Um, but not, that's my guy. But I would say this, like in, in this profession, you have to have, when you, when you, Pick who your wife is going to be, and hopefully she picks you too. <laughs> she understands what she's getting herself in tune for. So my wife knows when football season comes, she's a single parent, you know. And 
Uh, Straight up. Yeah, there's no question. Straight up. There's no doubt about it. And the thing that I have to understand is when I come home during football season, I can't come in there stomping my feet talking about, you know, hey, why is this like this and why does this <laughs> look like that? That's not my domain. I just go to sleep there. <laughs> yeah. That's all. I just go to sleep there. That is not my territory. Now, when the football season's over with, I have to slowly navigate my mm-hmm. way in because I better not dare walk into that house and try to say, well, I don't think mm-hmm. we should do it like this. Be like, Where the hell you been? Yeah, that's exactly well, right. I mean, this is Halloween. And uh, by the way, I'm the one to ask candy questions. Um, you going trick-or-treating? Your kids going to go trick-or-treating? What's your favorite candy? <laughs> uh, my kids probably will go trick-or-treating. Okay. Last year, I dressed up for Halloween here as Michael Myers. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the pictures, but not there, not a single child in this building will come anywhere near me. So I'm already a big guy as it is. So I had the navy blue uh, dicky suit on. I had the Timberland boots. Right. I put on the white latex gloves. Right. I probably shouldn't say it, but I did bring a machete. You know, but I kept it covered. All right. So at least that makes me feel a fake, better. A fake machete, a real but, machete. But Coach Hurt, I'm gonna leave, leave that one alone. Wait, but, uh, you did. You didn't leave the building. You stayed in the building. Because I, I couldn't imagine you walking Mm-mm. through the neighborhood oh, that, no. like that. No, it would have been a scary movie. You know, so, but it was a lot of you fun. You got pictures of that? Yes, I do. Okay, we want to make sure we get that picture. Right, we'll so make people sure you want get to see it. that. All right, that all right, back to football. All right, back to football. <laughs> Coach Hurt, mm-hmm. when you have a game, you play the game. When do you watch the, when do you watch the tape? When do you first watch the game? Uh, from Damn. my previous game? Mm-hmm. That night. You watch it that night? Whether it's on the plane or when I go home, I watch it on the iPad. When you watch that tape, on the iPad, what is like, this is a must-see. I don't give a damn if we gave up 100 points, if we had them shut out to zero points. What's something like I got to see from my defense when I turn on this tape? Effort. Number one thing. What I tell you was going to say? What I tell you was going to say? Effort. That's, All why should, that's why you should coach. Now, now, listen, listen. People may say, these guys get paid millions of dollars. This is their business. They, This is what they love to do. Effort is obviously going to happen. Is effort something that... No, you have to train that. Like there's, you get a unique situation where you get a guy that comes in that it just flies around a million miles an hour, but that's a unicorn. Most guys, you got to continually emphasize that every single day to continue like straining, chasing, playing as hard as humanly possible. And it's not because they're lazy or they're trying to loaf. It's just human nature when you feel like you can kind of back off the gas a little bit. It just mm-hmm. sometimes happens that way. Mm-hmm. But as a coach, we got to continue to to overemphasize that for guys that stay just – Put it just all gas, no brakes. And, and now holding men accountable. I've been in some rooms where a coach called out a player. This one just lost his damn mind mm-hmm. when he got called out. What is like the art to addressing and holding grown men accountable? Mm-hmm. Got a lot of money, a lot of damn egos. Like what's the art to holding NFL players accountable? Yeah, I think this. There's a, there's a certain respect in how you handle it level on who that player is. And that doesn't mean, and the first thing that a young, some of the young guys may think is, oh, they're going to they're gonna baby him or be nice to him because he's an older, decorated guy. First of all, it has to do, it's no different than when you have kids. You know, my son, when he's eight years old, he may feel that he should be entitled to the same stuff my daughter is when she's 10 or 11. There's a different level of maturity or you've built some, uh, some stock up to some of the liberties that you get. You know, and some guys, young players got to learn that. In today's generation, these young guys think they should be entitled to the same thing and they haven't done anything yet. Um, so I have no problem addressing that. But what I'll say is the art to it is this. If there's a mistake that's made by a veteran guy, that doesn't mean I'm not going to address it in the meeting. I mean, there is egos that become involved. But generally what happens is if I'm talking to a veteran player, if I'm talking to Wags or I'm, I'm talking to Diggy or I'm talking to Jamal, they know before I even have the meeting that I'm going to address where something was wrong. 
where you can come into an issue when you deal with a veteran player is if you put a guy on the spot and he has no idea what's coming. Because that's the natural thing that happens in this profession, that you're gonna, you gotta make sure you manage egos. The fastest way you can lose your team is you don't manage the egos the right way. Mm-hmm. You gotta make sure the guys understand that. So you communicate with your veteran players in a different aspect. Your young players, you get your attention, you get their attention early that this is not acceptable, all right? And this is a standard that we're trying to get to and here's the reason why. And then things all work out, you'll be fine from there. Mm-hmm. If I were to ask you about Pete Carroll and the things that you've learned from him, I want to ask it in a different way. Can you give us a story mm-hmm. that an, an exchange that has happened between you and Pete Carroll since you've been here, since 2017, one that you'll never forget, maybe one that you can take away that has maybe taught you some things mm-hmm. since you've been here? Man, there's been a lot of conversations. Uh, it was funny. When I took the job here, one of his close friends that talked to me before I flew out here and uh, – and came on staff, he was like, you're getting ready to get a 300-level lesson in leadership um, when you take that job you know, from Pete Carroll. And I was like, awesome. Because the thing is, I've always, I've never been fired from a job. I've always, when I made a move to go somewhere else, I've done it at my own accord. And the reason why I say that, not in any bragging way, is because I always want to try to find and put myself in a position where I can continue to learn and grow. And coming out here, that was one of the biggest things. Like, this is Pete Carroll. This is a guy that's a Hall of Fame college coach, in my opinion, a Hall of Fame NFL coach. There's, there's so much knowledge and information I can learn and I can get from him uh, to be able to come out here and do that. And you know, he's always had, um, it's been important to him to help everyone around him, you know, coaches included. And so to have the ability to do that, and there's been so many lessons, but I would say the biggest one is like, it's a big thing to me when you can show grace to in, in some hard, like hard and dark times. So coming over last season was really, really rough. Obviously, it didn't go any way, anywhere close to what I wanted, what he wanted, what the fans wanted, nothing like that. Um, I knew in my heart of hearts I was going to get this thing fixed, especially with the guys that we got on this team and in this building. But we went through the offseason, going through spring, OTAs, vet mini camp. We come back in the training camp, and, uh, and we continued on. And it was like maybe a week before we played the Rams game. <laughs> and he says uh, – he said, listen, uh, I don't know how this thing is going to go. He said, we may start off on fire. It may, we may have to build into it. But he said, I just want to tell you, I'm proud of you and how you grinded through this whole thing. And he said, this thing, he said, I'm excited for you. I'm excited where this thing is going. And he said, just, this is, we're going to have a lot of fun. He said, now, that doesn't mean that we're going to be great early on. He said, I don't know how it's going to go. He's, <laughs> he's, he's real quick to throw the little caveat on it. But, you know, it's like, you can go a whole nother way as a coach. You know, a guy could come in and say, you know, this better not happen again or this can't do this. That's We all know that. We all know what this is as the job and the pressures that come with it when you don't play up to the standard, perform to the standard, that, you know, things happen. But for he, he goes the other way. You know, it's like he sees the work that's put in, he acknowledges it, and you see that you have his support. You know, and they're so easy. There's so many situations where you get coaches today that they can throw another guy under the bus or they can kind of shy away or – oh, you didn't do this, or X, Y, and Z. He constantly has your back, uh, and having his support uh, has been absolutely incredible. So it's showing grace and having patience with the development of coaches just as much as it is with players. Man, I was with I was with Pete for a decade. I don't believe there's any player, any coach that could have some shit to say, some negative to say about this dude. I mean, he just simply gets it. Yeah. He know how to bring the best out of people. He know how to support you. He know how to hold dudes accountable. And um, I love the dude. What, I, I love the dude. What do you miss about KJ? 
What do you miss about coaching and being around and having KJ in this building? You get spoiled as a coach with KJ. He's cause he's, so nice, cause he's smart. He's smart as hell. First of all, he works he works incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. A great human being, which is always important. But on the field, and I ain't saying it's just because he here, he's here, but how his level is intelligence. And even as a player, like sometimes with a guy in the heat of the battle, a bad play can happen. They lose their mind. The guys get on the sideline, and hell, you got to damn near fight him to calm him down. KJ comes over and says, hey, uh, Coach, we got a problem here. How you want to handle this? I mean, in the most, <laughs> the most laid back way, you got to take a step back like, man, I wish I could be that cool in the heat of the battle. But he's just always a really like calming influence. And then his ability to see stuff on the field and communicate it to the players uh, was impeccable. We know, obviously, we always call him the screen master. Mm-hmm. Always knowing what the potential we cook issues are, when the ver- vertical routes are coming and he could communicate with his guys behind him and call guys off when he's going to handle a route. I mean, he's just his ability on the field to get everybody on the same page and to just identify things pre-snap, he doesn't get nearly enough credit mm-hmm. for how great he was. And no Coach, question. If I had to pick an MVP of the defense right now, from week one to now, it's Jordan Brooks. Okay. Jordan, Jordan Brooks my MVP. Just um, coming off his injury mm-hmm. with his ACL, and um, I played with him his rookie year. But just to see his growth, the man just seeing the game, like seeing the pass, he's communicating. Going downhill, you blitzing him. We got a sack force fumble last week. Like, what are you seeing from Jordan? I've been saying, it's contract year. Mm-hmm. I want him here long term. What have you seen from Jordan since training camp up till now? This has been a guy from when he got here, his physical talents were immense. Explosive, violent, fast, strong, could do all those things. Um, but to see the game, I say this a lot, so it sounds redundant, but the game slowed down. You know, for a guy, he as fast as he is and as explosive as he is, he doesn't need to try to guess to get the plays. He can play with depth off the ball. He can clear his cleats and be able to see and diagnose plays because he can get there just as fast as anybody, if not faster than anybody in football. So now by doing that, he's fundamentally sound where he can play his run fits. He can see and feel the boots and the play actions and where his issues are coming from and recognize things so much faster. That's that's where the maturity and the growth in his game has come from. Sometimes, as much as you may hate it with an injury, uh, sometimes when you do get hurt, that is the one positive side. You can take a step back and really still continue to study and evaluate the game, your own game, of where you can get better. So he's been, he's been outstanding. There's a lot of guys that's playing at a high level, so it's hard for me to put MVP on anybody, but – He's definitely in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, we got a couple more minutes. I just want to ask this. Uh, do you ever lose sleep during the week? You sleep a lot? I don't. I usually, uh, <laughs> I'm here by five and usually out of the building around midnight. But I, I get about four hours. You about yeah. four hours? About four hours. You stay the night here sometimes? No, nah, I don't stay. The last time I stayed the night at work, I was working with the Bears because <laughs> Dan Fangio didn't like to sleep. So I bought an air mattress and I used to sleep in my office in Chicago. Because uh, this dude, he's not an early morning person, but he's a late night guy. Does anybody in this building stay the night here? No, they better not. Not with the, get out of here. You, well, especially with the, the schedule that Coach Carroll gives you, it makes no sense. You know, I'm, I'm a guy that's kind of like <laughs> always overanalyzing, overthinking stuff. So I'm always trying to stay a step ahead. I, I don't need to do what I'm doing. I could definitely be more efficient <laughs> with my time. Have you ever had a dream about the upcoming opponent? Mm, I look at that differently. I don't want to say I have a dream about him, but I do envision. You, you would always do this as a player, but I envision play calls versus the things I anticipate them doing and how it's going to unfold. I do mm. that a lot. 
especially on Fridays and Saturdays. What's next for this defense? Consistency is what I want. You know, it's, it's been really good. It's going. feel great about it, but I see bigger and better. Um, when I'm watching and evaluating our guys, and we had Tell the Truth Monday coming off of this game, is just eliminating leaky yardage plays, you know, things like that, and just not giving up anything cheap. You know, you want to be great. We don't give up anything uh, at all. They don't have to move the ball. You know, and some people may take that like, okay, he sounds arrogant and cocky. It's not that. That's just mm-hmm. my expectation because mm-hmm. of the confidence that I have in our, you know, in our players and the staff to be able to get that done. Um, so I can see, I continue to see them getting better. The pass rush continue to improve and get better because these guys are rushing together and communicating together and they understand how to rush and play off of each other, um, how we complement each other in the blitzes, our disguises, you know, things of that nature. So I'm not giving anything to, to opponents. It's just the things and just football, one-on-one things that we can continue to clean up and get better where our game just continues to elevate. We don't need to play our best football now. It just needs to be played our best football in February. So A lot of us appreciate you, Coach Hurt. Thank you for everything you do. I appreciate you guys. Coach, if you can have me at the building by 8 o'clock, I I sign up today. I can make that happen. I'm just playing. <laughs> Hell no. You got, you got Being the thing till 11, 11.30. You're going to come talk to him about the tush push, right? Oh, yeah. I heard uh, I heard about that. You got some conversation pieces. You had a like, nice start now against the Giants. No, I know we got more coming on the way. I'm like dead ass serious. I got I got the blueprint to stop. We need it. to talk about it then. Let's have a conversation. I'm always open here, especially from guys like you. I don't get it. I'm not going to listen to everybody, but I'll listen to KJ. <laughs> All right. Hey, appreciate you, man. Man, thank yeah, you. Love you, man. Much love respect. you, brother. My man. Yeah. Thank you, G. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Definitely.